You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Spot Money News. Good morning and welcome back to this week's Weekly Wrap-Up here on Sprott Money News. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford, and on the line with me today, we have our chairman, Mr. Eric Sprott. Good morning, Eric. How are you doing today? Hey, Jeff. Uh, good to be with you. Everything uh, seems to be taking shape here, so it should be fun for all of us. So, Eric, first, let's talk about uh, what happened yesterday with the Swiss National Bank in, its, uh, in terms of its scrapping its three-year policy of capping the Swiss franc against the euro, the Swiss reevaluation. What are your thoughts about that, Eric? In terms, it created a very uh, tumultuous day in terms of trade particularly in the early morning yesterday? Sure. Well, I think there's a number of lessons to be learned from it. I think the most important lesson to be learned from it is that notwithstanding the desires of a central bank to maintain a particular policy, that in fact the market, the free market, overwhelmed them, and essentially they, uh, they, ra- well, they waved the white flag and gave up on the suggestion of uh, holding a peg on the uh, on the Swiss franc. So the banks waving the white flag is, is a central part of that because I think the Swiss National Bank could kind of see that the ECB was going to have to come out with some program. After all, we need someone to replace the Japanese here who in turn replaced the Americans in terms of printing money. And um, the Swiss National Bank just gave up on the whole process and uh, realized that they were going to be getting under some extreme pressure here if, in fact, the ECB did print. And, in fact, you had a negative uh, uh, Greece vote, which, of course, would cause uh, a transition of uh, money throughout the European uh, world. And we've already seen signs of that. There's some talk about uh, Greek banks seeking emergency, emergency liquidity injections. I mean, it, it's obvious that if you were living or anybody rational was living in Greece, They'd be taking money out of the country. Well, when you take money out of the country, unfortunately, banks have to sell an asset. And, of course, it's very difficult to sell an asset in the market when there's no bidders for anything. And so those banks have had to ask the Greek bank for emergency liquidity. It's just the first, you know, example of what happens when, when currencies start floating around the world and people lose confidence in either the economy or the central bank. I think the other thing to, to note uh, with the uh, Swiss appreciation here is that there's a number of Forex dealers who immediately went broke. And there are going to be some considerable losses out there for people who are in the wrong way of currencies, whether it's on the wrong way on the Swiss franc, the wrong way on the euro. We've had lots of other currencies, including the Canadian dollar, that are incredibly weak here. I mean, the volatility in foreign currency markets is probably more extreme than any market in the world. That in itself, you know, sort of jumps out of you, well, how can everything else be so stable and the currencies are floating all over the place? How can the stock market be kind of stable, a bond market be kind of stable, and yet the foreign currencies, of all things, are the most volatile, and it makes you sit up and kind of take notice that uh, there could be some sort of disastrous consequences if some of this volatility spills into the stock market, the bond market, and other financial markets. And it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out as we get one, one after another announcements of various uh, people who have lost uh, substantial amounts of money in the foreign exchange markets. Now, speaking of volatility, we've heard yourself and others talk about the volatility in the derivatives market, and uh, it's definitely been uh, a crazy ride in terms of what's happening there. What are your thoughts on that, Eric? Any comments on, on the derivative market? Well, it, uh, Jeff, it's the same comments. We theoretically have a quadrillion of derivatives. A 1% change in, let's say, all the derivatives is a 10 trillion dollar loss on a base of a quadrillion. Well, 
10 trillion is a number way beyond the capacity of the financial systems to, to, to handle. And we've had currencies fall 40%, the ruble, the yen, uh, we've had currencies appreciate 20%, the uh, Swiss uh, franc. We've had so much volatility, oil down almost 60% now. Um, gold was down 40, now it's up whatever, 12%. The volatility is absolutely incredible. And underlying all of these are all these derivatives out there. And in, in these cases, somebody's losing. And I think it's, it's um, sort of ironic that, you know, we have these foreign exchange dealers going under because there's volatility. I mean, think of the volatility in all the various aspects of financial instruments these days. And you get this quadrillion of derivatives every day that's going up and down. And, of course, the losers can't afford to pay because the losses are absolutely staggering. So I can't even begin to imagine uh, what might be going on in you know, various bank desks where they've taken positions in whether it's oil or boobles or yen or even the people who've been on the wrong side of the bond trade or the gold trade or the, the copper trade, for example, which fell apart this last week. Uh, there's so many things going on that it's hard for me to imagine there are some phenomenal losses uh, being generated in the derivatives market. Now, lastly, Eric, let's take a look at what's happening within the precious metal market. Uh, we saw gold actually hit uh, a session high yesterday, and then now we're looking at it at decline for the first time in uh, around six days or so. What are your thoughts on what's happening overall within the metals market, Eric? Well, Jeff, as you know, I always go back to the physicalness of the market, and the data is always stunningly positive. We just had a report that uh, China uh, purchased 61 tons of gold in the last week. I mean, the mines produce like uh, 45 tons a week. And here we have the Chinese demand being uh, 61 tons in the week. We don't even know what what India uh, purchased. But all my uh, analysis suggests that the physical demand is way beyond the supply. Most of that, the, the supply that was needed has come out of, um, I believe, government coffers, bank coffers, with them not telling us exactly what they've done. Uh, we've seen a situation where India is also a huge importer of silver. I mean, if, if I was to annualize their imports in the month of November, they're buying 50% of all the silver market where they weren't a big factor two years ago. How can somebody come in and buy 50% of something and, and have the price essentially being weak? And sooner or later, somebody's going to pay the price for all this paper trading when certain factors, countries, people, uh, want the physical product. And when you see the kind of volatility that we've seen in in various currencies and stock markets and bond markets, it just causes more and more people to want to own physical assets. Uh, we know that last year, in 2014, 84% of the world's population would have benefited by owning gold because the currencies were weak. Uh, I would suggest that that number is considerably higher. I don't even know how much Gold's up in euros, but the euro's down about 5%, and gold's up about, uh, uh, well, off the November low, about 12%. I mean, that, that implies a gain of 20% for anyone living in Europe who had their money in gold. And I've always been a huge believer that the risk of having money in a bank are incredible because of the leverage in the bank, the derivatives that we don't even understand. The people should not have their money in, a le- in the levered banking system, they should have it in gold and silver and platinum and palladium and things like that, things that are physical. 
So all the physical data is great. We've had this good price move here. I mean, obviously, gold through its 100-day moving average, it's been long since through its 50-day, uh, it's approaching its 200-day moving average. In fact, it may be through it as we, we speak right now. So there's uh, lots of signs in terms of the technical action in gold. There's lots of signs in terms of the, for the reasons to own gold and the fundamentals to own gold that this is the asset that people should have. And it's taken a long time for the financial world to realize that printing is not working. It hasn't worked in Japan, not working in Europe. It's essentially not working in the U.S., even though people talk about a strong economy in the U.S. But here we had retail sales down 0.9% in December, which was an absolute disastrous number. We had very poor earnings reports from all the major too-big-to-fail banks. So I think uh, we could be well on our way here. It could be shocking what the price of gold could do as we keep making it more and more a reasonable and smart investment for so many people in the world because of the currency fluctuations. So I think things are looking real good here. Uh, this has been a long time coming. I think the demand for the physical metals will just keep rising here, and uh, I think we're in, a, in the safest boat in the world, so hopefully this trend will continue. Well, as usual, Eric, we always appreciate your insight here on the weekly wrap-up, and we look forward to speaking to you in the weeks to come. Thank you for joining us today, Eric. Thank you. All the best. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. This is Jeff Rutherford for the weekly wrap-up here on Sprout Money News. Have a great day and a great weekend.